Hey, what's going on, everybody? Today is December 12th, and you are listening and watching the Daily AI Show live. And today, as you can see on the screen there, we are talking about open AI assistance, but we are even more than that talking about how they how they relate to custom GPTs, when you might want to use one versus the other, um, you know, where their strengths and weaknesses are. Because I think we've all collectively had conversations, not only internally with our group, but we've also talked um, with a lot of clients, customers and stuff like that have said, look, I love the custom GPTs. Man, is it easy to build in there. Even if I don't know anything, I can use their builder and all these things. And there, you know, um, Rachel Woods, who's the head of the AI exchange has been putting out a lot of TikToks about that too. Hey, go in there, use it as a playground build. But then you also on dev day at the same time, they had not released, but talked about the open AI assistant. And I feel like it kind of got brushed to the side and people are like, well, do I need that? That's a playground. So what do I do with that? And where, where would that be applicable? So that's what we really want to talk to you about today. So who we have today, we have June, me, we have Robert, Andy, Beth, I'm Brian. We'll see if Carl jumps in. I'm not sure where Aaron is, but you got the five of us to kick things off today. So I thought where this would be a good start. And if anybody wants to take this, otherwise I'm happy to, I definitely have some show and tell today. So we'll do our mm -hmm. best for anybody listening to this on a podcast to explain it. But I will tell you, this is one of the episodes where you're going to want to go back to LinkedIn, YouTube, Spotify, and you're going to want to go watch some of this video as I share some of the screens, but we'll do our best to explain it as we go. <coughs> Does anybody, I almost got there. Does anybody want to kind of dig in really quick and maybe take, I don't know, maybe one of us can take the custom GPT side of it. One of us can take the assistant and we'll kind of kick things off from there. Right. Uh, well, real quick overview, the difference between an assist, what is an assistant uh, or the assistant API and what is a custom GPT, right? So both, like you said, both were announced. Custom GPTs was the focus. That's what allows you to uh, customize your chat GPT to use your information and uh, have a more specialized approach. Whereas the assistant API does something similar, but its primary purpose is to be accessed via the API so that you can integrate it into your own business or your own sites and, and things like that. So that's the main difference between the two. Um, I think a key thing to point out is the difference in the two, um, the two features in terms of what they're accessing. You can do similar things by adding your own knowledge base so your own documents to both custom GPTs and for the assistant API, and they can access that for information. But the biggest difference uh, for me has been that custom GPTs exist within the chat GPT environment, whereas the assistant API is completely within the API. So everything that they do for, for, for chat GPT is not applied on the assistant side. So I, think I want to make another distinction. Yeah. Uh, distinction yeah. between the two is the um, let's start with the API. The API to access the OpenAI models was there before these announcements, and mm -hmm. coders who can make use of those APIs to include conversational LLM 3.5 Turbo or or four. GPT-4 in their applications, but that means they have to have an application with code running somewhere else. 
Mm-hmm. What they did was they, in building the assistance API, they added retrieval, which is knowledge base. And then they made out of that whole set of uh, um, capabilities, they made a totally no code access point to use those things that if you have the chat GPT plus subscription, you can go in and make your own uh, sort of mini application as long as it's only expressed through the UI, right? You can't bring it out of the open AI ecosystem and put it on a website somewhere. That doesn't work, but it's really low code. Now, the assistant, as Brian's going to show you, is not a low code uh, use case. It requires coding. And so for most people, you're not going to play with the assistant unless you're building an application, you know, that's going to take advantage of the open AI APIs. And now you can, if you don't want to uh, touch that to a vector database for knowledge retrieval, you also have retrieval and code interpreter and, and vision. All those things are bundled into that assistant capability. So right. I'm going to pop in here and say uh, one of the, for me, one of the most exciting things about the assistant was um, Zapier coming, uh, uh, Zapier adding the ability to create an assistant from within the Zapier interface, which right. makes it more low code, right? Mm-hmm. I, you all know how I feel about Zapier Make. It's not entirely no code because the right. those you can... <laughs> You, you can and have to look inside those uh, Lego blocks um, in order to like get it fully connected. But, um, but and for me, what this, uh, what this does that, ch- that the internal GPTs do not is have the ability to track the um, conversations that are, that are happening. So there is um, a, a, like custom chatbot, right? That you can put on your website uh, that has limited function, but you can see all of the conversations that are happening. So you can track that as, and it can check information and give information out. Those are things like chat base um, or uh, retune. Um, in my head, I'm like, don't say respell, don't say respell. It's retune is the <laughs> chatbot thing. Um, uh, and then you have these GPTs on the inside of custom uh, of uh, ChatGPT. So somebody has to have a Plus account in order to access it. Assistants through Zapier, for me, like do are like a nice third space in there where you can have the ability to do both. But Brian is going to tell us what is slightly disadvantageous about that. <laughs> Well, I think this is a great, you know, uh, kickoff before I share my screen because you guys have named quite a few things. But I think there's a few more just for our general audience if they're like, well, what, why would I pick one or the other? Well, look, for quick deployment, for um, testing ideas, for throwing up a knowledge base in there, meaning you're putting in some sort of document, it could be a CSV, it could be a JSON file, it could be a Word document, it could be a PDF. Um, And you're like, well, could I could I get this bot to answer some questions back from this knowledge base? Could I set something up really quick for my team? I need my sales team to know this, this, and this, or simply even a more simple use case. I have some HR stuff 
that I just need my team of 12 to kind of know. We have stuff like that at Scaled where it's mixed between JustWorks and it's and it's on Google Drive and it's this and there. And there's some on Notion pages. Hey, what if I just wanted a one-stop shop for that? Could I could I do that? Yes, in a custom GPT inside of ChatGPT, that would be a very good use case because you could quickly create it. You could go in, put those knowledge sources in there. And then let's let Carl in. Hey, Carl, when you uh, put those knowledge sources in there, and then it, once you get that to work and you feel confident, like if you're the one that's building it and you're getting, yep, yep, these are the days off for people who live in Canada. These are the days off for the employees who are in the US, whatever the case is, right? Your HR type stuff in there that somebody's going to want. Well, now you can go ahead and just share that link. As long as everybody else has a ChatGPT Plus account, they will be able to use that as much as they want. Now, there's some downsides such as that original person can't see everybody else's feeds. So we've talked about that a lot. Not really the topic of today, but with custom chatbots, um, like Carlos talked about, that prohibits somebody from the back end, like, like Carl might do for his customers and say, oh, um, I can see where these all these different threads are going. And there's some tweaks I want to make on the back end to help it be a better user experience. You're not going to get that with uh, inside of ChatGPT. You're just that person's using it, using their $20 account. And there's no API calls or anything like that as far as that is concerned internally, right? Super easy to do. Now, you also have two other things. You have browsing to the internet, and then you also have like Dolly 3. Now, these are things that might be coming in the future. But as of right now, if we were to build something as an assistant, we're not natively going to get those two features. So if those are important to you, if it's important that you're able to mix maybe a knowledge base with up-to-date internet information, pulling data, whatever the case is, that may not be a great use case for creating an assistant. Conversely, as you guys have said, the, the other benefits are, well, if you're concerned about data, if you're concerned about things being shared, that never happens through the API. OpenAI has been very, very open about that and saying that if it, it, we do not track or anything through the API. So that might be a great reason why you would do that. So what I can do is real quick, just share what I built. Now, I'm going to show you who I followed to do this because I did not just. But, but, I, I want to, before you jump into the demo, I want to jump in real quick. So, um, because I think it's it's important to package these into two different, which everybody's doing a good job of it, but I'm, right. I want to make it even clearer for those who might be listening, who are might be new. I, I see the GPTs as a, as a pretty bow put onto a wrapper that somebody can, who's very no coding, right? So they can go through the process of developing a GBT either through the conversational AI, right? You develop it, you it asks you questions, what kind of GPT tool do you want to create? And by the way, GPT is a terrible name for this, but whatever. So it it's just too confusing, right? But you can go through the process of creating a nice, pretty packaged GPT that you can then share to somebody else that you can eventually sell in a marketplace that they were telling us that we'll be able to do. Um, my, my question though is, and I'll pause that we have the other side, which is the API access. It has everything that we just talked about um, that you can do inside GPT. I, I think you did say it doesn't have web access, but my right. question, this is where I, you know, we've been developing these, of course, I'm not in the technical, so I don't know all the aspects of it, which is why I'm going to ask the, this group, this question before Brian jumps into his demo is are they um two things one during the demo they did show uh, instances where they call it not instances but uh as you said beth user uh sessions for each one Threat, of those yeah right? they have persistent threads 
persistent threads, they called it. Yeah. And so there's got to be a way to go back. And, and so in that sense, the context window is is not exactly exhaustible because you're always having a, a little thread that you can inject back into the experience so that you can resume that person's session. But put that aside, originally, my understanding was that you can actually have a unique ID for each one of these GPTs over here and each one of these assistants. Meaning, I want to call Brian's GPT that he's created. I can do that. Or I had this assistant that I created via an API. I can do that because it's got a unique identifier. So I can then package four of these GPTs together to create an output. I want the weather. I want the you know the wind gut. I don't know whatever right. those four GPTs are. Is that true? Is, is that still a thing that can be done? I think I so because I don't, I don't because think you there can are. Call a yeah, I, I, I don't believe you can call, like like Andy said, I don't think you can call a custom GPT. You can call the API. Mm -hmm. So if Brian creates one in the GPT ecosystem, but then he wants to call have an API that he sets up with Zapier and make, he can't somehow reference that one he created over here. He's got to create it no. all over again in the assistant. No, no. no but yeah. you can create four assistants and call them simultaneously. Internally, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. right, yeah. Best the architect here. She's gonna she's gonna build this for us. You can you, do what now? It because assistants are API based, you can send simultaneous calls to multiple assistants. Okay. So from within ChatGPT, Brian can't do that. But if Brian had an assistant for the weather and an assistant for like weather uh Sorry, uh, if uh, air, the flights are late, right? Let's just say you created a travel assistant. You could run all of those at the same time if you had the correct inputs. That right. And what that's describing is building an application. And that application is using the assistance API and multiple of those to create an output that can then be accessed on some external website. So that's an application right. idea. Right, right. But anything Brian does on the GPT, you know, uh, tool won't he have to redo it on the assistant if he wants the same functionality yeah. as an API. Okay. That's the, right. the only thing I can do from the custom GPT side of things inside Chat GPT is share the um, URL. Okay. And and OpenAI has said, hey, we are also gonna have a um, a um, Marketplace store. Marketplace. Thank you. I could just think of workplace marketplace. Thank you. Uh, where people will now be able to sell access, I guess, and restrict that. That's I'm be interested in that because people are still able to jailbreak, even though it's, it's uh, slowed down a bit. So I'll be curious yeah. how effective that is in the marketplace. I think OpenAI has some work to do to help shore them up other than just say, don't turn on um, code interpreter because that's not a solution. That's a that's a patch. <laughs> so I'll be interested to see what OpenAI does for that. Now we can leave that aside because that is coming and that's important. Um, so now, okay, we've, we've hopefully at this point, you anybody listening to this has a visual in their head of two different sides of this. We have the built inside a custom GPT low code solution that anybody with a chat GPT plus account can access. You can build one yourself. You can use the builder that they have, which is literally just you and a chatbot walking back and forth saying, this is what I'd like to create and it will help you. It'll help you name it. It'll help you put an image on it, the whole thing. 
or there's the configure side of it, which more, most of us play. That's where knowing a bit of prompt engineering is definitely going to make a difference. Um, and you can do like, we've been sort of saying like, oh, they're not as complex. They, they can be very complex. I have now built custom GPTs that to this idea of simultaneously running where the knowledge bases are in depth, multi-prompt threads that can run mm -hmm. If not simultaneously, it has no issue being able to figure out where it wants to do. So you can do very complex things. We've seen Mr. Reindeer. We've seen some other ones with custom GPTs that are frankly amazing. And so those are possible. However, now what I'll show on the screen real quick is let's say that you said, well, okay, I still want a lot of that ability. I still want to look to that knowledge base. I want to build it off of the open AI framework. I want to be able to choose my um, model. 3.5, 4, 4 preview, whatever it is. Um, and I want to be able to have retrieval, meaning from the knowledge base. I want, you know, uh, like functions call. I'm not going to turn on code interpreter. How do I do that and put that on a website? I want to put it on an internal website for my team. How would I go about doing that? So I'll share really quick and show you what I literally did. And I followed the, you know, so much of this is get on the internet and figure it out. Right. And so I just followed along with um instructions and was able to do this so before i even jump into this because i do not want to forget to do it this is the person i followed his name is liam otley um and you can find him on youtube the literal name of the of the youtube video that i followed is how to add custom gpts to any website in minutes open ai gpts to tutorial and he absolutely works you through. He actually is to his word. Now, what happens is you do end up having, if you look down here, it's like, here's get access to all the stuff. You do have to trade your email for that. You do have to sign up for some stuff. But ultimately, if you look on this website here, it is free-ish, right? After I make that trade, it is free and I can get the resources I want. They're not showing up here for some reason, but that's where they would show up. Okay. So what are we doing here? So we're in... Now we're back in the playground. We're at platform.openai.com. That's if you're familiar with the playground, if you've worked with that in, in months past, Beth and I told the whole course where we were in the playground all the time and talking about that. So a lot of people have been there. This is the assistant side of it. Okay. And you can see here, I have a scaled assist and that's the company I work for. And you can see instructions here. I'm not going to get into that too much. You can see that I'm using, in this case, uh, the model I'm using is GPT-4, 1106 preview, fine. And I've got retrieval turned on. And if you look down below files, there's this file name down there. That's a web, that's a um, document. And then you can see just a very quick call. Tell me about scaled surfaces just to prove that it works. And in fact, it pulls and it has some um, citations that's pulling from this document on the left. Okay. So that's that's probably not amazing in itself because we're just building inside the playground. We're testing and we're we're checking our um, our prompting to see if it's good enough to get the kind of answers we want. But now I want to go. I want to take this to a website. How would I do that? Well, we got to make some API calls. This is making an API call, but we have to do it in a way that we can get it. So following Liam's directions here, I went and used his replit. And so I basically created a duplicate of that. He shows you how to do that. And it creates this. Uh, creating the Replit account was free. I think I have so many credits like you would typically see. So I was able to pull this up without spending. In fact, I didn't spend any money to set any of this up. 
So that's kind of cool if you want to test this out. He'll walk you through it. I won't get into too much of it here, but if you look on the side, he had originally had a, uh, a knowledge document in here. I created my own and just changed a little bit in the uh, coding here where I saw that it was gonna, it was pointing towards his knowledge document and I just rerouted it to my scale document. That's literally, other than following some directions, adding in the open AI key where I needed to, which I'm not going to share. Um, that's really what I did on here. Now this record go on before you go on, just for those who are just listening to, to the podcast rather than seeing it, come on here is a jungle of code lines that you know we're copying <laughs> things. So it, you know, this would be very intimidating to anybody who doesn't have some limited experience just with the idea of assembling lines of code, even if you're cutting and pasting. Okay, and I'm going to say that if you are someone who recognizes patterns and can like look at a series of things that you're not entirely sure you understand all of it, but you can see the pattern in it, lean into that, right? Because <laughs> it doesn't have to be intimidating yeah. just because you don't understand it. Lean in and get a crutch. <laughs> And, well, and I, I, will say, I will say I'm no coder. I am definitely no coder. I have definitely played around. I've gone to Google Colab, but I'm always copying and pasting. So I'm looking at what Beth created and then I'm trying to duplicate and, 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 and create my own. So you can see here, like literally this on the screen, it used to say the knowledge doc, which I could see over there. And I was like, cool. It's calling and opening the knowledge doc for, for its base, its knowledge source. All right. Well, if I put my own in there and then replace the wording to call to my own, and then rerun this. Basically, I had to delete the assistant because it creates the assistant if it doesn't exist the very first time it makes a call. In other words, to save you on how much API uh, cost you would have, it creates that assistant first. So I, through trial and error, I learned I had to get rid of the assistant. But when I did, it, it did this. So now basically we have this replit. You can see in the bottom right, if you're looking at our screen, it's actually showing you the actual run progress, which is something that Liam said he built into this. Okay, so we can see it Ryan, running because it is, is kind of slow. What is a replit? Replit is just, to me, I bet you might be able to answer this better, or Jimmy or somebody, I'm not good enough. I can just tell you that it's a place where you can go in and create this type of code. To me, it looks similar to a, a Python or a Node or one of these one of these types of softwares mm -hmm. where you can go in and create code. It's so like it's, a visual like, code a, it's like a code notebook. Yeah, it's like, sure. yeah, yeah. if you've ever coded, it's, you something like a visual code studio where you okay right yeah, yeah it's a, so it's super easy right and so then they they have a goal just a quick second about replit they have a goal of something like a billion coders right they mm -hmm. they their interest replits sort of um future looking um goal is so that people who don't code can code right so there's mm -hmm. lots of resources there and may I yeah. jump in and, and can everybody raise your hand? Those in this in this podcast who know how to code in Python. Oh, not in Python. Well, I can fake it. Okay, yeah, so yeah. <laughs> just for the viewers here, only two people actually can do it. So don't yeah. feel like this is like we're experts in this. And also, I would highly recommend they offer a course that I started taking and stopped because I got busy, which is Hundred Days of Python, and it walks mm -hmm. you through. Just I'm honestly anybody can do it you just gotta do base it's just puzzle pieces it's just understanding what you're looking at so i'd recommend playing around with replit and 100 days of python to get it is free to understand more about what brian's doing i mean i don't want to brag but i have gotten python to say hello world so 
you know, (laughs) that's a a dumb joke. I'm sorry. So sorry. Um, Anyway, you can see here. What's really cool, though, is this stuff here on the screen where it's saying assistant client. I don't know. I don't know. I wouldn't know how to code this, but I can read it. Right. And I was like, okay, I'm going to change this over to be scaled related because it was kind of in line with what he had, what Liam had created. What's cool, though, is what you're seeing here was written back to assistant. So I did not start this in assistant. It started right. from the replit and the replit created the OpenAI assistant. In other words, when I went back to this screen, it existed. It was one of my assistants. So this replit created it. So, okay. So real quick, not to get into this. Now we're going to jump over to another program called um, VoiceFlow. Never used it before, Liam. Okay. So he also had a upload this. Basically, he gives you a file. That's a VoiceFlow file. It's like a VF file. And you upload it. And boop, it pops up on your screen. It looks exactly like this. And then in his video, he's like, okay, you need to change two things. Over here in get, you need to point it towards the replit. And over here, where it's generating the response, you need to put you need to point it towards the replit. In this one, it's forward after you give it the website and he shows you how it's forward slash start. And over here, it's forward slash chat. Now, all this to say, if you look on the right side of the screen, you're going to see what looks like a chat bot. Now, I did not take the very last step and put this on an actual website, but that's the only thing missing is I would just take the widget and the coding from here and literally deploy it on a website. That part I didn't bother with because it's it's very straightforward. And I think a lot of people are are probably at least capable of following along with like importing a widget or something like that. Now you can see here, it says, hi, I'm Dale Smith, solar sales rep assistant. That's because it's actually built right in here. And I just didn't bother changing the verbiage, but I could definitely say, hi, I'm Dale scaled, you know, sales rep assistant or whatever. And it would change, it would say here. That's the only thing that's different is you can see where it's starting from. And then I, I just said a real quick one. Tell me about scaled services just to prove that it worked. And then you can see here, it's pulling it directly from that document and it's giving me the answers. Now, this is not fast. So let's just talk about this. Because now what we've shown is that it is possible to take an assistant, an open AI assistant that you created and deploy it on a website. That was the whole point of showing this. So I can really just stop sharing my screen at this point. So what are some of the downsides? Well, we talked already about not having only things like Dolly and, and, and um, browsing. It's also slow, comparatively slow to custom GPT. So what I deploy this, if I'm a business and I'm thinking, ooh, I would like my front end customers to have access to this because I can fill it with a bunch of stuff that they may need to know in the FAQ and I can make a quick chatbot. You're right. You could. This exact thing would work, but it's going to take like 30 seconds for them to get that answer back. And then you got to start thinking about what is that user experience going to be like? So it's just frankly not fast. So if it's not- You're saying an API assistant is slower than the GPT? Yeah, it's much slower. Like, why yeah, would you, you can't use anybody do fast either? <laughs> or it's like the GPT isn't like, like right, blazing, it's not blazing fast. fast. But I mean, is, is there a but reason for it? Is it the model that you chose or is it the? No, I think it's the combination of Replit and VoiceFlow and yeah. all of the back and forth that are going on in there. That's what's taking the time. Okay. Right. Yeah. And I yeah. think that's fair. It probably can be coded and made faster. I think that's fair. Um, because it, just if you. If you run it in the playground, it's faster. Oh, yeah, right? it's immediate. Yeah, 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 it's right. immediate. So then the problem, so then the slowness is coming through the traveling of right. that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, it's. I think that's a good point. It's not the API that's slow. That's fair. I think that's a great call out. 
It's not the API that's slow. It's the path it's taking through these other programs that's slowing down the process of getting the answer back. But if you were going to build it here, that's something you would have to consider. Now, could this be used kind of like what he built in his example? The example for this solar uh, sales rep was actually to be internal facing. It was for the sales reps to have this knowledge base that they were going to need about their discounts, their current pricing and all that. That's what his use case was built on. And I think that totally makes sense. Internally, we're not going to be as bothered by having something that in this case was maybe built on a website for our company or deployed somewhere where our employees are going to be. And I can get these answers within 30 seconds. Sure. What's the harm in that or whatever? So there's another some really major, real great another, value. Another major difference, major difference in, in addition to that, the complexity of building it and the speed of response is GPTs. You if you're inside the company and you're trying to expose a certain sort of internal knowledge, it's $20 per seat, right? Mm -hmm. That's all. Right. And it doesn't cost anything beyond that. And they get a lot of value out of that $20 per seat. They ought to have that anyway. They should. Uh, if with mm -hmm. the AI assistant, you get charged for how much knowledge storage you're using every month and for every token that's transacting back and forth through the API. Now, it may not be terribly expensive. It might not if it was a low volume usage, even amount to $20 a month. But, you know, it's far easier for a corporation to get an, an account in GPT Plus for everybody inside the company and let everybody build their own GPTs and also have your team that's capable build more sophisticated GPTs internally in that environment. I, I yeah. have to agree with that. And, and, and speaking to what Andy was saying, um, also uh, remember that the experience uh, or the output that you're getting from the assistance uh, API versus the custom GPT through chat GPT is going to be different. If you look yeah. into the community right now um, and everyone building out the assistant API versus the custom GPT, they're getting better results in the custom GPT. And that's that has to deal with because you're, the, you're just the API customizing the custom chat. GPT. I'm sorry? The API or the custom GPT? Because I'm here to get better, better results from the custom GPT. Yeah, I would say the opposite. Because okay. what I think is, I, I think maybe I'm maybe I'm but this is the way I've been hearing it is we believe there's probably some sort of throttling going on inside the custom GPT because of the extreme use case. And people are finding that GPT-4 is giving them decreased value results that they weren't seeing through the API, which kind of makes sense because why yeah. would you have to throttle the API? You're paying for it. Well, see that that that's interesting um, because when I when I go through the uh, the community uh, the community forums for for uh, OpenAI, everyone building out there in in the last few days and over the last month have said that they uh, they're getting better results from the ChatGPT side. Yeah. Now okay. there is an overall. Uh, downturn, which they're calling like the the winter syndrome <laughs> yes. that OpenAI is experiencing, and that's probably you know affecting everything uh, through ChatGPT. But so far, um, what people have been saying is they're they're getting better results from the custom GPT. Um, now, I'm not sure if that's in terms 
that's not necessarily in terms of speed, but the output, like the quality okay. of, uh, of output. So, and that's just based on what people have been uh, posting uh, in those. That, that might be have something to do with the parameters that are are not changeable in the GPT, but are changeable in the open AI, in the API, right? Because they might throttle the temperature, they might throttle the token usage, they they might do all kinds of stuff in the GPT, which I, I guess would 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 actually go against your point. <laughs> well, uh, no, well the, the, you're the exactly what I'm hearing. The assumption most people are having is that whatever weights or temperature settings uh, that they use for ChatGPT is what's contributing. That environment is contributing to the better output. But again, with, so you, with you, the you whole too many options, I'm not sure you're going to get better across the board. Right, which yeah. is so the other piece of this that is not happening now because uh because the store isn't open yet and um and the majority of people are not exchanging this but if the situation when you come into chat looks the same as it uh looks currently and there are a ton more possible gpts that are custom GPTs inside the thing, you, we will likely be in a situation where there are times where you would like to build a custom interface to be able to call those. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, the people uh, that are coming in and looking at this for the first time, I mean, I'm just, I'm imagining the, hey, why is the coloring book hero in my, uh, you know, scaled uh, list? Right. Mm -hmm. And it, okay. it's not, uh, and it is because you touched it or someone on yeah. your computer did, right? Like, um, right. so we don't have a whole lot of control over what people see when they come into their chat GPT. Whereas if you have built these as an interface on a website, you have complete control over what right. people are seeing. Yeah. And that's probably a great place to maybe just wrap this up because you know we're on time. Is look, there's definite use cases for both. Hopefully, if nothing else, if you were like confused as to why this OpenAI assistant, and you were thinking, well, maybe do I do I want that? Is that what I want for my company? Um, you have some more knowledge now to decide maybe where you want to go. I think I, Rachel Woods just literally put out something about this, talking about how what would probably make more sense is if you have a use case that you're trying to flesh out to try to prove internally for your company, it's probably easier for you to go into a custom GPT and create that. Now, if the, she said in the, the TikTok video, if you were concerned about data, you can have custom GPT create you fake data first, then go play with the fake data set that's similar enough to the use case you're trying to prove. Do it, show value to your company, your company says, hey, that's actually pretty cool. That's not our data, right? And you go, nope, that's fake data, but it's similar enough, right, to what we would need our use case for. And then they go, we're still going to need something through the API. We're not okay with the, the custom right. GPT. What's our options now? And then you or somebody else could go, oh, okay, there are actually other options here. We would have to go through the API. We might build something through the assistant, yada, 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 right down the line. And, yeah, so, so I, I honestly, the, the way I categorize them is, is GBTs are a one-time or a few-shot kind of use cases. So you, you want to do it internally, you want to do it for yourself, you want to do it for a few people in your team, but you want to scale the, that functionality, then you need to do it through an assistant, you need to do it through a SSO, you need to do it through an internal uh, module that you create that houses that that API. That's that's the better use case. You, you do the GPTs to figure it out maybe, or even do it for a small case, but use the API to do something at scale. 
agree with that. And they too. had throttled the API, um, and I don't know if it's been unthrottled, but when after Dev Day, when this stuff first came out, they were not releasing it to the levels that you could build into an enterprise solution, right? So, like, there were natural, um, natural, there were uh, throttles imposed, Um uh, and I have not seen anything that says that those have been lifted and they don't let people sign up for GPT plus. So I think they're still like, <laughs> you can't get off the wait list. I've gotten off two wait lists this week. Oh, cool. Yeah. Go yeah. sign yeah. up. You can. Yeah. If, if, assuming I got an email on two different accounts cause I signed up the wait list, two different accounts and both of them came in over the weekend and it said you had 11 days to accept it and upgrade. So for anybody out there that's like waiting, um, I, all I can tell you is that I was pulled off the wait list for two other accounts for it. Okay, uh, we're going to wrap this one up, but we're not done talking about custom GPTs this week, as a matter of fact. Okay, tomorrow we have the news. We always do the news on uh, Wednesdays where we talk about all the news that we, we're all personally interested in. We come in and share it live. That's tomorrow. Thursday, though, we are talking more about custom GPTs. You get a twofer this week. But we're talking specifically about this idea of on-demand pop-up G custom GPTs. This is a cool idea. Beth, you brought this to me. I'm actually really excited about this idea and all the different creative ways in just marketing and all other different ways that this can be done. So if you want to learn more about custom GPTs and how they might be able to be used as a really innovative way for your business, come back on Thursday. And then Friday, we're doing our big review um, all of us hopefully will have used um, or are already using Perplexity. And so we're going to do a big review, our honest review show of Perplexity. Do we like it? Do we not like it? And hopefully you'll learn something there. So that's the rest of this week. Come on back. And uh, yeah, this, is, uh, this has been fun. Hopefully you guys got something out of this and we will see you uh, tomorrow. Bye, everybody. Happy Tuesday. Aloha.